everyone. Welcome back to an incredible episode of My Feminine Heart. This is such a special occasion. I've been waiting so long to interview this beautiful person. Welcome, Christy Garcia, to the show. Hi, Cassandra. Thank you for having me. I'm Thank, you for, <laughs> thank you for joining us. So one of the reasons we have been waiting and waiting for this interview is because Christy does not live here. She is from Guatemala. And uh, she is up in the U.S. on vacation living as Christy for a week, but she does not live as Christy full time. And she is here to finally share her story with us. Uh, and what's, you know, so excited to share all the beautiful aspects of Christy. And her story is going to sound a little different than many other people we have interviewed on this show. And uh, one of which, and I always hate to throw out um, the identities at first, but I love that, you know, we're going to really talk about your life and, and what it specifically was like for you growing up in Guatemala and your time in the U.S. For everybody who's listening, we often interview a trans women who have transitioned or who live dual gendered or plan to transition someday. That's not you. How do you identify Christy? Well, even though most people these days don't like labels, mm -hmm. I like to call myself a heterosexual cross-dresser. Basically, the textbook example. The textbook. If they opened the book, we would see your photo in there. Next to it, yes. And what I love about this, and we're going to get to a part of your story where you had a doctor suggest transitioning to you and you had a moment where you realized that was not for you mm -hmm. so every story that we share on this show the goal is is that somebody listening connects and says wow that is me or no that's not me and it helps everybody get a little step closer to understanding their best life and so for you christy you grew up in guatemala yes i was born there and um, as a cross-dresser, when did you first start to dress? Well, fully, probably when I was 16 and I could get a hold of a nice wig, but I have memories that go as far back as when I was three years old, uh, getting into my mother's closet and trying things on, painting my nails, for instance. I'm so interested to hear what this was like for you. Um, you know, so many of the people we interviewed on the show, they talk about the desire to dress and not understanding it, pre-internet, pre-support groups. Mm -hmm. And then you, especially from being down in Guatemala, what that life was like for you. Did your parents know that you were dressing? They didn't know. They learned I dressed when I was probably around 17 years old. And, and did, then, you, did you have a conversation with them or did you just kind of know that they kind of figured it out? Uh, basically, um, I think I, I left a, coda, a cutout photograph of my face, my male face, based on a magazine with a woman's body. Wow. I said, well, what's going on? Are you gay? I said, no, I'm not gay. 
then why do you do this? Wow, I like dressing as a woman. I don't know why. Uh, so therapy started for years with therapists that were not prepared for it. They, they, they know nothing about it, but they were eager to take my parents' money. Now, what about your life there growing up versus you came here for graduate school? Did you ever have a chance through college to go out dressed as Christy out in public or as a teenager going out before you moved up to the U.S. for school? I did, I did a few times. I gathered the courage and took chances about three, four times, always late at night and while nobody was at home. Or I would find a place where I could dress and go out from there. But I, one of those times, I even went out without, without wearing a wig on. And this shows you kind of uh, desperation for validation that we have to be out there and perceived as a woman. Did you find the validation that you needed when you were young? No, no, because I was too confused. I didn't understand why did I do it. So validation came later in life. I got satisfaction, I would say. I got a sense of relief, a sense of, of uh, disconnecting from real life troubles, from problems. It's almost like it was an escape. Exactly. Yeah. So you came up to Ohio for graduate school and you were not the only person here from back home in school up in Ohio. You had other people that you knew from Guatemala, right? Yes, I had this uh, female friend with whom I, well, to whom I came clean about it, I needed someone to share my secret and someone to go out with. I was going out regularly back then, but I felt lonely. I was, I needed the validation of someone else interacting with people. I had no confidence in my feminine voice back then. I need someone to talk for me in a way, to interact, okay? Yeah. Thing is that we were, we went clubbing, for instance, and there was this one time that uh, a couple of guys came to our table and asked us to go dancing. And I would pretend I didn't understand English. And she would basically respond to me. That is a pretty brilliant way of getting around your voice if you're not confident in it. We get clever about it when you when, when we want to, when the need is strong. Yeah. And this woman that you went out with who was your friend, she became somebody important to you. She's my beloved wife for 31 years now. We have two children. And uh, yes, she's the love of my life. That's wonderful. Now, how did she react to Christy when you shared this with her? Obviously she, she was accepting to go out, but did she have questions? What did she think it was? What did you tell her? Did you 
understand the phrase, oh, uh, the label of cross-dresser back then? No, I didn't, I didn't know it at that point. I would learn about it later, shortly, basically, after I, I came out to her. But um, yeah, she said, she, I showed her photos. I would take photos and take them for development that nobody knew me there. So I, I would take the chance of taking to a developer. And uh, she said, well, I'll go out with you, but I need to see you in person. So I dressed up for her that same day and she was impressed. She was impressed and I was flattered that this woman would think I looked okay. <laughs> uh, so she accepted that, but then she, um, being the kind of woman she is, because she's very caring, went to the university health center and asked for help. And because she was worried that she was leading me into something that would harm uh, me in any way. And they told her that no, that it was okay, that I needed it, but that they wanted to see me. And it was then that I learned that there were heterosexual cross-dressers. Before that, I would go into the psychology department library and find something about men dressing as women. And all I could find was early, very early literature about transgenderism. Yeah. And uh, that got me very confused. So did you think at that time that you were going to transition as a woman? I was convinced because that, that's all there was. The only explanation I could find was I want to be a woman. Besides, I feel so good when I'm dressed as a woman. I feel relaxed. I feel at ease. Um, that must be it. But then they told me, well, no, we think you're a heterosexual cross-dresser. There are, uh, there's no cure for it. You were born like that. So <clears throat> best you can do is find support groups. They go out with their wives and, and stuff, spouses, I should say. And, uh, um, but if you insist, there's this specialist here. She's not part of the university. She used to teach here, but she has her private practice that, she, that deals with gender identity. So I made an appointment with her. She made it looks very simple. And this is the late 1980s at this time. Exactly. Exactly, Nine, circa 1987, 88. And um, I made an appointment, I came, she made it look so simple. She said, oh, you look fine, you have nice features. You're losing hair, but not too much. Hormones will take care of that. Uh, you can find uh, someone who prescribes them, but, but the, the girls I see, they find ways to get them. So you can get them as soon as you, as you can. As, as, and uh, uh, you have to know that the operation is cost, costly. And I said, well, I'll sell my car home, back home and, and we'll do it. I think she, she knew from the start that there was not what I needed, but she needed me to realize it on my own. So she suggested I came to uh, 
group therapy uh, session, which I did. And that was the moment where I realized I didn't want, I didn't need to become a woman. I was not in the same uh, state, state as, as, as these girls there were. And all, all the other people in the support group had the intent or were in the process of transitioning. So for you, that was your understanding of you did not want that. But until then, you thought you would be pursuing it. Still, I knew I was a heterosexual cross-dresser, that I had, there was nothing I can do about it, and that I was born like that. But I still felt somehow ashamed. I, that was the moment where I began to really accept myself for, for who I was. That's amazing. And up until then, you said you had felt shame? Oh, yes. Every time I dressed, um, I felt guilty because not only because I was doing something that I was, uh, that a boy or a young man wasn't supposed to do. Um, this, there's a, a, a sexual component to, to, to all these, uh, at least in the case of heterosexual cross-dressers, to my knowledge. And it's that when you see your transformed image in the mirror and you have the age where you can get aroused, you get aroused. And that makes you feel guilty as well. And that's where you would be putting yourself as a heterosexual cross-dresser, not as a trans woman planning to live your life full-time as a woman. Exactly. In my opinion, again, and I have asked through all the years that I've been online, fellow cross-dressers and also transgender women, and most transgender Transgender women did not get this, did not get aroused while dressing, whereas every cross-dresser did, every. In your, in your experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what did this mean for your relationship with your girlfriend at the time who became your spouse? Uh, how, when did you start to actually date and not just be friends going out together? It, it was a process that while we were going out as girls, we, we went clubbing, we went to restaurants, we had we took trips to other towns. We, we were good girl, girlfriends. And uh, she was able to keep Christy apart from the guy. From, or her, she was able to keep a, 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 a distinction between the fem female friend and the male friend. But as, as we got to know each other better, we fell in love, we started dating, and um, even though we continued to go out, it was kind of awkward for her. So she decided uh, to remove herself from that and probably at the point where I, I really needed her 
for passing because I was I had gained a lot of weight and I was no, no longer able to pass on my own. But I understood that, and that was that was something that had to had to happen. When we got back back home and got married, we came to an agreement that I would dress once a month, more if possible, but within the same dates. And I would dress one once a month, twice a month, depending on, on the opportunities, and would spend probably two or three months without dressing. But I would average 15 times I dressed a year for quite some time. Now, what do you mean by your opportunities to dress? The planets have to align, you know. It's 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 difficult, yes, when you live in well, children come. When, when, when we didn't have children, it was no problem, but that was two years only. Then when there's uh, very young, no problem either. But once they started to have some understanding, uh, well, my chances were, well, they'll spend weekend at Grand Mass and Christy will do her stuff and that'll be it. Then, they grew older. It was almost impossible to get, get them out of the house without suspecting anything fishy was going on. So my, my opportunities became taking my boxes of Christy stuff to my parents' home when they uh, took trips abroad. And uh, I was able to put very good dressing sessions there. I, I was at the top of my game, I would say, in, at, the, at that point in time. It was only photos. I was already interacting online. So there was an audience to share it with people who were like-minded, who were kindred souls that understood why you did it, why you needed to do it and would uh, give you feedback and also were able to learn from your experience. It was at that point that I realized that maybe that was my call in life. That, your calling? Yes. In a way, I thought, well, because I was at a point in time, Cass, where yeah, there were pioneers who opened or paved the road for those who followed and gathered the courage to share their feminine personas online. But there were no social networks then. So I remember there, there, there was an, uh, uh, and there still is a, a social network that was catering exclusively to the trans community. And that was that place was You're Not Alone, based in Chicago, in Columbus, Ohio, of all places, you know? But I didn't know that. Okay. I, I would visit there because I, I, I mean, I was lurking and go surfing the internet, trying to find people, men, well, who, who, who were like me. 
And one day in 2004, I gathered the courage to open a Yahoo email account and a You're Not Alone account and uploaded a few photos I had from a, a, one of the first digital cameras that I was able to borrow from a partner in, in, at, at work. To my surprise, I started getting tons of messages, emails, and was in the spotlight. Some, something I have never been used to. I'm, 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 as, as a person in general, and as a man in particular, I'm, I'm very private. I'm very reserved, very serious. But when I started getting messages from fellow trans women asking for advice, asking for how do you do that? How, why? And uh, I, thought, I, I realized that I have a duty to share my life experience with those in need. Uh, there was no Facebook. Then, then MySpace came out and Yahoo 360. But a few of us were blogging in, in, in Yahoo 360 and our followers would uh, gain knowledge from our exchanges. It was, it was a very gratifying, satisfying point in my life, but it would distract me from work a lot, a lot. There were times where I would get 300 emails a day, emails, not messages. Oh my goodness. 300 emails a day, probably not from different people, but mostly different people. And all of them, or most of them, I should say, were asking for help, a cry for help. Because people are, uh, often ask me, well, you probably get lots of admirers writing. No, I get very, over the years, I've, I've gotten a handful of nasty emails that are offensive. And that's, I think, probably because the image I project is that of respect. I'm not putting on a show for men. I'm sharing my feminine illusion for people who appreciate that art, because I consider it an art in my case, having make it clear that I'm not seeking transition, okay? So it's a man who, who does his best to look her best, okay? So yeah, that, that, that was my call until I felt overwhelmed and I had to take a break. I took a two month break that helped diminish the amount of email I was getting. I started rather writing pieces and sharing them when I uploaded photos, share a story. Then I wrote uh, a piece 
that I, I think I called it, who am I? Explaining why I thought I was a heterosexual crossdresser, and that got me a lot of feedback from people also, but they would find the answers there. So I wouldn't have to type an answer to everyone who wrote. So I started doing this and, and, and keeping it. I had a very nice blog uh, that in, in Yahoo 360 that sadly enough uh, was lost. Some of it is still in my journal at You're Not Alone, even though I don't log on to You're Not Alone at all. Well, I do every now and then, but not at all anymore. I mean, Facebook took over and uh, Flickr for us, we share photos. And that's the end of the story. But even, even uh, uh, I had to cut on commenting on other people's photos because that would mean I would, I would get more comments and it will be again uh, a roller coaster or snowball that I couldn't stop. You are like the anti-influencer. There are so many people out there who want to be influencers exactly. and have your so, level of fame. You, 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 can, you can tell, you can say that I was an incipient influencer that took the moment but with the idea of helping, not drawing attention to me. I, I've always been a person who has problems accepting compliments. Don't ask me why, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm my worst critique and uh, I have trouble accepting compliments. So when people say, oh, you look wonderful. I go, well, do I really look good? Don't I? Well, I don't mind. So if, if my looks help me draw some audience that were in need of help, and I was able to help them with my opinionated views, if you wish, then that was my call. But I feel that it's not anymore. My time has passed. Even though some friends say, no, you should continue. And uh, I'm exhausted. I, I, my time has passed. Yeah. Problem is that influencers now have a different view, have different opportunities, and have it this time really easy. And you get, can get lost really easily as well. Yeah. Well, when we were first introduced, it was whispered to me, Christy is a big deal. She is, she was the first, the first to YouTube, one of the first influencers. Um, so I appreciate that you are opening yourself back up to potential comments and messages that you may get from this interview. If you I'll welcome them. I um, welcome them. Wonderful. In case if you are if you are trying to run from the spotlight still, <laughs> we might be in trouble. But well, you know, it's come to a point that sometimes I, I need some of that limelight hitting me. <laughs> well, and you know, as part of that, so you had made an agreement with your wife uh, that you would dress once or twice a month, but then as the children grew you know, it became less and less possible, but your children are grown now. So do you have the opportunities to dress as often as you like? Well, you know, in Latin America, your children don't leave home 
until they get married. I didn't leave my parents' home until I got married. So my daughter is 29 years old in her first year of surgery. So she's, she's a doctor, but she's in her first of five years of surgery. Marriage or grandchildren are not in the picture yet. My son is a special needs uh, boy who's 25. He'll probably be with us forever, well, as long as we leave. So my chances at home are null. Guatemala, is, well, Guatemala City has probably like 2 million inhabitants, but the circles you move about are small. Everyone knows everyone. So we live in a gated community. Getting out of there is, as Christy, is complicated. Everyone knows your car. Everyone knows who you are, even though they don't talk to you or they have never spoke, spoken to you, but it's, and uh, we'll probably cover this later, but I know that many people know that I dress, but it, 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 it's a, 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 something that nobody wants to talk about. Well, we can chat about that now. So you had said that, you know, your wife knew before you even started dating. Mm -hmm. Does anyone in her circle know? Does anyone in your, and, and your parents knew from when you were a teenager? Mm -hmm. Who knows now in your world, even if it's not discussed? I leave a lot of people out probably, but my family, except for one brother, they all know. My parents knew. Um, my sister knows and has seen Christy in person and in photos. I have an, a brother, I'm the oldest. I have a brother who's a year younger who lives here in the US. He knows, but we have never talked about it. He knows through my parents. Um, the other brother doesn't know. He's very religious and wouldn't understand it. On my wife's side, my mother-in-law knows both her sisters and her and her husbands know. Um, due through unprofessional leaks, uh, the closest friends of my wife know the circle of three, four people. We see them at least once a month, and we've seen them for the past thirty-some years. And the question never comes up, not on a brow, a brow is raised. So, and uh, they're not different towards me. I had a no. girlfriend who, who also knew about Christy out of my need to share it with someone. When we broke up, she told all our friends. So I know most of them know, we've never talked about it either. So it's kind of a taboo. So it's a something that almost everyone knows, but no one talks about. Even now, when, you know, in the world's post Caitlyn Jenner, you know, as common as the word transgender is and the advocacy that's been out there, uh, it was a you know, big story for the Olympics. When, now that it's 
spoken about so much more. Does anybody ask you about it or, or talk about no. it with you? No, it's, it's a topic nobody, not even my daughter who knows, discusses it. Uh, I don't know if, if they feel uncomfortable with it or if they think I would feel uncomfortable talking about it, but that's something I wouldn't, I wouldn't push into the discussion, because in, into conversation, because I don't know if they are okay with it, you know? So, um, yeah, uh, the thing is, I mean, it's a very macho-driven society, most Latin American societies, even although there's more acceptance and understanding. But on the other hand, my male persona is quite masculine. Not a macho, not a macho guy, but he's 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 a, a regular Joe, has no manieris, uh, feminine mannerisms, has no feminine treats at all. Um, which I think is the, is the core of this. I mean, this regular Joe becomes a regular Jane, but he has to put all his thoughts and effort into this. And this is why Christy is clumsy. So my brain is, is working on move your hands right, do the right voice, do the right mannerisms. And the brain leaves out the important stuff that's around it. I'm clumsy. As Christy, I'm very forgetful. It, it's, it's strange. It makes a sense. You have a lot that you are processing at one time, especially since you don't live as Christy full time. Exactly. What would be your dream scenario for dressing? How often would you like to be Christy? Uh, I'd love to do it once a week with a purpose say, go out for dinner, go to a show, uh, go shopping, or go for a weekend somewhere. Would you go out with your spouse? Would you go out with your wife? We have no problem with it, but not in Guatemala. Not, not, not even in our country, probably somewhere else, a city in the US that is not visited by Guatemalan tourists, because through her, I, I would be giving away. Not that I care, honestly. I, if someone confronts me, I will explain and, and try for them to for that person to understand. If he or she doesn't, that's her problem, his or her problem. And if he or she does, then cool, one less person to show that we are nice people. But um, it's for her and our children. But you living in a uh, more macho society, mm -hmm. legally and safety-wise, you don't fear for yourself. No, because I move in a safe surrounding. Like every city, Guatemala has some places you know you can't go, and especially if you are not who you really are, or you look like you're, you're different from who you are, 
uh, but you can avoid those places. So the times have gone out in Guatemala. It's been probably eight years, 10 years since I last went out there. It's two mainstream places during the, uh, the day. And uh, people often ask, oh, and do you get hit on? It's a macho driven country, but people at least in the circles I move about, they're respectful. They're not wolves. They are, I mean, they, they might turn around and look and maybe think, huh, big nose, that's probably a guy. Or maybe think, oh, that's a fairly nice looking woman or whatever. But that's not my intention. My, I go out not to, to get admired as a woman. So I can't compete with the real thing. I can't. I know my limitations and know who I am. It's for, for my own pleasure, for my blending in, my playing my role and being accepted as a woman. Not that ah, I will get uh, wolf weasels or whatever. Of course, if I go to a construction site, maybe that would happen. And if I am wearing a mini skirt, high heels and hose, probably will happen, then I would never do that. It's not my intention. It, this is not why I dress. And for you, your, your goal is to interact with everyone in a mainstream setting, like a shopping mall or a restaurant. You, you are not necessarily a, a part of the transgender community as in going to support groups um, yeah. and places like that. Are there support groups? What is the trans community like down in Guatemala City? Okay, the trans community is growing. It's growing. I know that because I have Googled it a couple of times. I know that because I have a trans friend that, um, has gotten in contact with them, but has admitted to me that she doesn't feel comfortable in those circles because sadly enough, most of the transgender women in Guatemala prostitute themselves in the streets. Um, and those who are at a higher social status probably keep it a secret, most of them. I know of a, a female to male trans man that is, has, has been uh, in magazines in Guatemala, everyone knows he used to be a woman and he's accepted, no, no problems. Now, what do you mean he's By in the magazines? people around him. Hmm? What do you mean he's in magazines? He's a model and he's been in magazines and he's been in, in local magazines, Guatemalan magazines. Oh, like a model model. A model model, yes. Oh, you thought role model. No, but he's, and he's the, the only one I know, uh, female to male. And, uh, but that's, that's the thing. And these uh, uh, support groups are very strong on activism. But instead of, of showing they are 
nice people. They are people like everyone else. They are confrontative and they don't, they basically re, end up re, get, gaining rejection rather than acceptance. Because they're more aggressive. They are too aggressive. They, they, are, they are demanding things rather than, than gaining acceptance. Um, but yeah, I know a few cross-dressers uh, from Guatemala. We've met for coffee as guys. I would never met with them as women because if I take the chances on my own, I'm willing to to face the responsibilities or, or the consequences. But two, three, it's, the, the risks are exponential, not about being beaten or mistreated, but being, being, being found. That's something I'd rather tell someone what I am than have to tell someone. Of course, if I'm confronted, I will explain, like I said. Yeah. Now, looking back, you had an opportunity. You had a doctor who talked to you about hormones and transitioning. Mm -hmm. Looking back on your life and how you've lived it now, would you do anything differently? No, no, can't complain. I'm a blessed person in many ways. It's the simple reason that I can do this, that I can be talking to you as Christy. Two years after the last time, I, I was like this. It's a blessing. I, I crossed out most of my bucket list items a long time ago. There's few still to, but every experience, every time I come here and I go out, I kick, I cross out something. There's a chance that we go to the Eagles concert here in DC tomorrow. And that would be not my first concert as Christy because I went to when last time I was in DC, but the Eagles are a landmark, an icon of my time. So that would be really cool. Not on my bucket list, but will be added to it and hopefully crossed out. Give us another item on your bucket list. What's one you still need to cross out? Oh, I need Christy to be out in a mainstream gala all dolled up in her gown and lovely makeup and maybe even an updo that I've never done. So, and uh, just be there among the crowd. Uh, ballet, an opera, even though I don't like opera. Opera. Uh, oh, I was just going to suggest we should go opera. to the opera. I love the opera. opera. Opera, not opera. Yeah, your audience will have problems with my strong accent, Cass, <laughs> and my switching voice from male to female every now and then. I mean, it's 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 hard, you know. It's and it's happened. This this is this is an anecdote that that I. It's funny now, but it wasn't when it happened. During one of my first outings as Christy in Columbus. I lived basically high street divides campus from the city. I lived on high street on the city side of high street. 
So I would dress and walk around campus as a co-ed. This time I was crossing the street and a car full of college, bo college boys made, made the, the right turn, but they didn't see me and they hit me. I fell down to the ground. And well, maybe you will need to cross this to, to, to edit this out, but uh, I, I got up, turned around and said, assholes in my most masculine, that was the man's reaction, okay? The man was the, the, the order of the, the, of the performance was interrupted. So I had to really, and, and so the reaction was, wow, what, what if we hurt, I don't know, him or her, because the voice was that of a guy. And the voice of a guy is coming like her, see? So <clears throat> I really, I got up and really, and walked real fast into campus and, and got lost. But when something takes me by surprise, the guy will come out from the back and take control. And yeah. that, that's, that happens quite often. We're not editing that out, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so Christy, you know, looking back, you're, you're happy with the course that you took. You're living your best life. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have to share as somebody who has shared advice for decades with people online in this interview if you could give one piece of advice, what would it be? To be true to yourself, to accept yourself for who you are, but don't rush into concluding who you are, where you stand in this wide and each time wider range of uh, where, uh, where we, we can move from the binary genders, all the in-betweens, because if you rush into taking actions, you can make mistakes that would change your life forever and not necessarily for the better. Um, I know that there's stories of uh, women who have transitioned and have regretted that. There's not, they're, they're, they're not as, not, not significant towards those who have gained final ac accomplishment, but there's always a chance. So you need to be sure. If I had taken the road and insisted that I was a trans woman and had transitioned back then when I was confused, I would be happy as a woman, I think, but would not be as happy as I am. Even if the clothes fit perfectly to my new body. No? Well, I'm so happy that you figured that out for yourself and that you have been able to live this really beautiful life and have been such 
a support to so many. And I, I can't thank you enough for your time. I know that you have not, your only time now to be Christy is coming to the U.S. because your grown children at home. And uh, so to take this time away um, from your socializing and being out at the malls and the galas and, and all the exciting things you would be doing to share your story and your advice for the world. I can't thank you enough for that time. Well, it, it is, it is, I would thank you for what you're doing for our community, for carrying the torch, for being that person who, who facilitates advice and, and uh, counseling to so many of us in need, really. And yeah, it, it's my pleasure and honor to be here, Cass. Thank you very much for thinking of me. And I hope this benefits someone. I know it well. I know it well. And I'm so glad to see you a again, my friend, two years later, dressed as Christy. And I can't wait to see you in person soon. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Cass. See you soon. And thank you to everyone from my feminine heart. We love you and have a beautiful day. Never miss a single podcast by signing up for our newsletter at myfeminineheart.com.